0: Today on Ag News Daily.
1: So, kind of in the past week here, we've had a, a string of days of multiple storms that's gone through on multiple different days. And some were worse and some were, you know, not so bad, but a lot of our farm has got hit to some degree with hail. and
0: Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Ag News Daily Podcast. Delaney Howell joining you today from Cheyenne, Wyoming, alongside my co-host, Tanner Winterhoff. Tanner, how are you doing today?
2: Good. How beautiful is Cheyenne?
0: It is pretty beautiful. I flew into Denver this morning and drove about an hour and a half north to Cheyenne. So it's a nice change of scenery from Iowa.
2: I bet it is. Well, I'm glad that you could jump on so we can share some really good news today. I got a lot of things all over the board, but the first headline I wanted to hit on is U.S. crude oil inventories unexpectedly rose last week, said the Energy Information Administration. Uh, crude oil inventories rose by 2.025 million barrels against the expectations of a drop and gasoline inventories, however, though, fell by just shy of a million barrels against the expectations of starting to rebuild. But Delaney, that news comes right alongside the ethanol update for the week. Ethanol weekly output dropped in the last seven days, still remains above the one million barrel per day mark for the third consecutive week. But when you look at stockpiles, those are still continuing to jump. So quite interesting, Delaney, that we have ethanol production down, but the stockpiles are increasing. So clearly that shows a little bit of a slight slow in demand.
0: Yeah, I'm guessing people are not going to be as apt to drive places or do as much for vacation this year with the high gas prices we're seeing, Tanner.
2: Yeah, I would agree. It's certainly been a conversation uh, with customers here at the bank.
0: Well, Tanner, I have a little bit of news all over the place as well, but going on today in Des Moines, Iowa, is the annual World Pork Expo. Super sorry I'm going to miss it this year since I'll be traveling, but a lot of news has come to light. Interesting things, including the National Pork Producers Council's rebranding efforts. Tanner, I don't know if you've seen this on the news or on Twitter is where I first saw it, but. NPPC has new branding, which is red, white, and blue, and was designed to reinforce NPPC's mission to be the unified global voice for the U.S. pork industry. They unveiled a new logo at at a kickoff announcement yesterday, and they are excited, they said, to foster the next generation of pork farmers and business.
2: That's good. It's nice to see a unified front. Uh, Just to piggyback on the information that you reported on related to the pork industry, uh, an article here written by Michelle Rook coming out of the World Pork Expo this week states that uh, last year was a record year of profitability in the pork sector. However, what they're seeing and hearing from a lot of people at the show is there are a lot of empty barns in the U.S. So part of that, they believe, is disease pressure. Part of that was uh, putting the brakes on expansion. And then also potentially now these higher costs of production as far as feedstuffs go. So uh, several herds are not expanding. They've talked to a lot of top executives in the hog industry. So we could see potential further constraints on the pork supply chain if producers don't decide to expand or or at least backfill what they're calling.
0: And we saw I think that news really played out in the April exports report for both hogs and cattle hogs higher, but pork was lower pork exports totaled 528 million pounds during April down 15 and a half million pounds from March and 17 and a half percent below a year ago. However, the beef side of things was a completely opposite story with the U.S. exporting 304 million pounds of beef during April, which was a record for the month and the second highest tally ever behind May of 2021. So seeing increased beef demand and decreased pork demand, Tanner, but that could be largely tied to maybe having less inventory available to export.
2: Yeah, that could definitely be a tie to it. I'm glad to see beef demand up. A lot of the cattle producers and conversations we've had in the last couple of weeks, expansion and clarity in the market. So uh, really good news there. So Fence Xavier Concept Autonomous Farming Robot is gaining traction with more software horsepower. So Agco first announced last year in 2021, their investment in Apex AI, so one of the emerging leaders in safety certified software around driverless vehicles. And now the two, today, the two companies are announcing fast pace advancements using LiDAR technology. So they are trying to create the concept of swarm farming to where you can have multiple small electric robots in a field. That could plant crops, weed crops, uh, and go all about that. So pretty big advancements here. They are looking to continue to push their goal to have something completely ready to roll by the summer of 2024. So be curious if something shows up at Farm Progress Show this fall in the forms of these mini swarming Xaviers.
0: Yeah, I can't even, this is a little beyond my head. I can't even really picture what this would look like.
2: Yeah, it's a three-wheeled, you know, if you remember the tractor sprayers, like for your lawn with mm-hmm. a three-wheeled tractor, uh, it looks to be about that size with a little bit of a, a computer, a GPS globe on the top. Of course, it's got the Fent uh, deep orange or deep red and uh, green top to it. But yeah, certainly a very small, almost looks like you could kick it over machine.
0: Okay. Interesting. I guess I can picture that now. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they release anything at Farm Progress show. Hard to believe that's just right around the corner, Janner.
2: It is. We're coming right up on it.
0: We certainly are. But I saw some interesting news on, again, on the Twitter machine, but apparently the director of Ukraine traders union says Turkey is not sufficient enough force to help guarantee and secure Ukrainian grain exports via the Black Sea. Because as we know, Ukraine and Russia have been, or Ukraine, excuse me, has been working with other countries, including Turkey, Romania, Bulgaria, etc., to try and figure out alternative shipping routes to get grain out of the country. And folks are saying that Turkey doesn't have the military force needed to be able to support Ukraine in those efforts. Instead, they're saying, really, we need to see a multi-frontier and other countries need to be able to step in to allow Ukraine really to get those goods out of the country, Tanner. So not a lot of confidence in Turkey to to do the deal.
2: Yeah, I had seen that headline. Uh, And it's hard to almost follow based upon uh, where support might come from and and who's going to follow through on what What they are stating, but staying across the seas, the UK's largest producer of carbon dioxide, so that's CO2, of course, as we all know, will shut down one of its two factories and cut hundreds of jobs to take on a restructuring mission for their operation. So CF Fertilizers has proposed a permanent closure of one of its manufacturing facilities near Chester. So, what does that have to do with us? Well, the main reason. For them to do this is essential restructure based upon profitable and sustainable practices for industrial products and domestic customers. So they're stating that their cost of doing business and the sustainable guidelines that the UK has put on them restricts them from being able to continue to run this. So it was the largest ammonium and ammonium nitrate in CO2 protection production facility in the country. So with a start like this, we'll be curious to see if there's any more dominoes fall as costs continue to inflate and margins with a lot of these fertilizer plants are crutch.
0: Yeah, and on the topic of fertilizer, Tanner, here's a great headline for you. The streak is broken. We're talking the fertilizer streak that has seen so many of our major fertilizer prices push higher. For the first time, we've seen a majority of retail fertilizer prices lower compared to the last month, according to prices tracked by DTN for the last week of May 2022. This is the first time since the end of November that most fertilizers are trending lower, and too soon to tell, but maybe. Uh, the demise of the fertilizer rally.
2: Yeah, it'd be nice to get some fertilizer prices tempered. And we know that we reported on a couple of articles around the U.S. wanting to secure fertilizer imports for our producers next year. So it'd be nice if we can uh, do as close as we can to guaranteeing supply and having it at reduced costs so everybody can benefit.
0: Absolutely.
2: The last piece, I've got Delaney Is coming out of Canada. So they have launched their credit system for greenhouse gas offsets. So a major part of its plan to cut their carbon emissions, starting with a set of rules stipulating on how projects can generate tradable credits by capturing gas from landfills. So they're starting with landfills as their number one project. The protocols for the four other sectors, such as agricultural, forest management and industrial are underway. So I guess that's only three, why it states four, doesn't necessarily uh, coincide there, but they are shooting to continue to cap work on the protocols for their carbon capture technology. Of course, that's coming from a uh, press release from Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, as they have continued to focus on reducing their levels by 2030. So there you go, first step in Canada underway. It'll be interesting to see if that leads to any more future advancements of carbon credit programs here in the U.S. Well,
0: Tanner, I tell you what, I don't have any other news today other than chatting markets. And of course, we have June's WASDE report coming out tomorrow, although not largely supposed to be a huge market mover, as Craig Turner shared with us on Monday's Market Monday podcast. Of course, that report comes out tomorrow at 11 a.m., And largely, old crop corn ending stocks are expected to decline. Analysts expect about 3 million bushels of decline there. New crops ending stocks are also expected to decline about 20 million bushels. And on the soybean side of things, old crop soybean ending stocks are expected to decline 7 million bushels, while new crop ending stocks are expected to decline just 3 million bushels tomorrow. So, certainly not huge. Adjustments that any analysts are expecting to see on tomorrow's report, but you never know what happens. The USDA likes to throw curveballs at us frequently.
2: Yeah, it will just be something we get to watch and report on. Because I know as uh, we prepare for a couple of conversations this week around these weather events, we know that the report won't react that quickly, but we certainly right. know what's going on in our backyard.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Tanner. And commodity markets today, corn and soybeans are up pretty heavily on the board, trading ahead of tomorrow's report, up four cents in new crop corn, up about 10 cents in new crop soybeans. Wheat is trading mixed today with hard red Kansas City wheat higher on the day and Chicago wheat lower on the day. Over in the livestock markets today, we've seen green across the live and feeder cattle complex and weakness today in the lean hog market. So As you've been teasing up there, Tanner, we've got some good conversations we're playing on the podcast today and tomorrow, looking at weather and a few other factors impacting the business of agriculture. So let's kick it over to one of those conversations now.
2: Hey, listeners, on to one of our another great conversations. We are welcoming uh rob o'neill of o'neill family farms partnership to our podcast today it's our pleasure to have him join us how you doing rob
1: good how you doing today
2: really good so let's just jump right in why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and uh, what you guys are doing out there on your farm in nebraska
1: yeah so we're located in the south central part of uh, nebraska here um we live near the towns of Kearney and lexington and uh How it is, is uh, I farm with my dad and my two brothers, um, and we make up the O'Neill Family Farms Partnership. That's kind of the farming side. And then my dad and older brother also have a commercial cow-calf operation.
0: And so, Rob, you guys are located, you said, south-central Nebraska near Kearney. What does agriculture look like in your neck of the woods down there?
1: So it's mainly a blend of corn and soybeans uh, under irrigation with uh, for the for the crop side and there's also scattered throughout um, a lot of cattle because you know in the valleys and 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 stuff is a lot of the corn and then but you get in some of these steeper hills that's usually where the cattle country is and so that's kind of how that lays and that's pretty much takes care of most of the agriculture kind of in our area for the for the most part.
2: So let's not jump into your latest social media post quite yet, but give us a little bit of a recap on how the spring of plant 22 went for you and your family farm. How was it getting crops in the ground timely wise?
1: <laughs> we all have less hair right now, if viewers if <laughs> understand that, but no, we came into the season and um, it was probably the driest uh, season I've ever seen. And a lot of other farmers had stated the same thing in the area. <laughs> Uh, We just did not have any moisture over the winter, and what that caused is a lot of the residue didn't break down like it normally did, and also the ground was very hard, and so it uh, created a lot of interesting issues with planters and stuff, just trying to get the corn in the ground. Well, then as we went along, um, it was probably like that, planting for a week and a half or two weeks, and then we got a really good godsend rain it was a nice soft rain for us and uh, that really made things mellowed out and uh, so planting was good for a while and then we got a few more harder rains and uh, we actually um, here later in the season actually got a late season freeze and so that's kind of how it (laughs) turned out and so we actually had to replant some of our um, bean crop that we put in earlier so that's kind of how the spring went you know, up until now, basically.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, Mother Nature can be a little tricky to work with some years, it seems like, and more years than not. But so with with the replants and whatnot aside, how late into the season, when did you finally get wrapped up here with corn and soybeans the first time around?
1: Um, it was near the end of the month. I can't remember the exact day, but it was probably the 25th of May by the time we've kind of, you know, put the, put the planter away for now anyway. <laughs>
0: was that fairly normal for you guys to get done that late or is it was it a little later than usual
1: um you know for replant I mean I guess if we got done the first time at that time that would have been late um we usually get done probably the first or second week you know in May typically um we've kind of changed our rotation in the past couple of years We we started putting our beans in earlier not super early, but kind of when we usually typically would do our corn. And so that kind of narrowed up our planning window a little bit more over the past couple of years, but typically we're done within that first week of May. So, you know, p- getting it pushed back to, you know, May 20th and stuff for a lot of our beans is, is a little bit of a concern, but, um, you know, as long as they can come out of it, you know, they should still be okay, but we have a lot, a lot left to see here. So I guess we'll see how that goes.
2: So now we get through emergence. We've got the crop coming up and uh, your latest social media posts dictate the aftermath of some of the storms that went through. So what what has happened in the last three, four, five days on your farm out there?
1: So kind of in the past oh week here, we've had a, a string of days of multiple storms that's gone through on multiple different days. And uh, some were worse and some were, uh, you know, uh, not so bad. But a lot of our farm has got hit to some degree with hail. And a lot of people in South Central have kind of experienced the same thing. You know, corn's coming up, you know, and the tough part about it is determining what to do now, because, you know, you got some corn that still might have that growing point in the ground, and then you got some that you know, you're just not sure exactly where that's sitting at. And also just how much, you know, how resilient this crop will be. Also on the bean side, it's kind of the same way. How much got knocked out? Will it come back or, or, um, you know, is it toast? And so we, we're kind of slightly in a waiting game just to kind of see what's happening, you know and we're kind of discussing with agronomist and, and crop insurance agents on, you know what the plan of attack is now basically.
0: And what's your general feeling? I know you said you're having discussions, you're kind of waiting and seeing, but how, how long do you have to wait before you decide what to do next? I mean, I'm assuming it's too late to replant at this point.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the good question. You got some people saying, you know, maybe they could go back with a really short season corn or, um, you know, maybe plant more beans. You know, it just kind of depends on what kind of herbicide program and, you know, what fertilizer program you already got out there. And so everybody's going to be a little bit different where they stand on that too. And, you know, a lot of it now is kind of waiting for it to dry out. When will it completely dry out? Cause it'll be, you know, next week before we could even probably physically get the planners and do a decent job of replanting. And so that puts you, you know, middle of June almost. So (laughs) all good, all good questions going around right now. So when you look around in your neighborhood
2: If you had to guess a percentage of the acres that were affected by the hail, what would you say would that percentage be?
1: Well, we, so it's, it's to varying degrees that the post I had on social media was one of our worst. And so like a lot of the rest of our stuff, it's fine to leave. So it's like, take that post as being the worst, I guess, um, for our stuff, but a lot of it we got a probably a 60 mile radius on our farm. And I think all but maybe two farms don't have any hail damage right now. So just to kind of give the viewers an idea of how that is. And I know further east you go, there's a few streaks that go um, to the east of us and there's a few to the west of us as well. So um, it's a pretty good area that's, you know, a lot of people have seen some degree of hail damage.
2: Yeah, we've seen Delaney pictures on Twitter, um, uh-huh. Southwest Iowa into Illinois, I think actually uh, saw a pretty big sized hailstone coming out of uh, the Oklahoma panhandle or somewhere in that region. Also just kind of seems like it might end up becoming the year of hail.
1: Yeah, it certainly can be. I mean, just the like, luckily we didn't get hit by it, but one of our fields that are kind of farther to the northeast of us, it'd be, be kind of around like. Oh, they're small towns, but like Ansley and Litchfield area for anybody that might know, but they got hit pretty good with some big hail because like we have a landlord that lives up there and he got all the windows knocked out of his house. So there's some pretty serious hail that's happened in the area, but luckily we haven't had that big of hail in our immediate area.
0: And I think the frustrating part for so many farmers is, you know, with commodity prices being where they're at this year, guys want to have a crop that they're able to harvest and take to market. And so it's certainly frustrating, you know, Tanner, when we when we see some of these things on Twitter and certainly don't envy you by any means. But we certainly appreciate Rob, you coming on and chatting with us today. We've mentioned a little bit about some of your social channels. You're a big YouTuber. Uh, Share with us some of those channels that folks can find us on.
1: Yeah. So three years ago, I I started a YouTube channel just to kind of, um, you know, get a look across, you know, Nebraska, kind of what we do in the irrigation stuff. And so that's on O'Neill Family Farms on YouTube. And then I'm also on uh, Instagram at O'Neill Family Farms and also I post a few times on Twitter and that's uh, at Rob O'Neill 24. So that's kind of where you can find me.
0: Well, folks, be sure to follow along with Rob on social media. See how this year's crop turns out for him. What those next steps look like. Rob, we certainly appreciate you coming on and joining us today. We really do wish that your crop, hopefully, you have some options.
1: Well, I really appreciate it And I appreciate you guys having me for sure.
2: Well Delaney I actually thought that was better news than I was expecting. You know uh, clearly social media grabs your attention when you take a picture of the worst of the worst but nonetheless you don't wish that upon anybody because that looked like total devastation in that field.
0: Yeah and it's just so early in the season you know there's the question mark will the crop be able to bounce back from this or not?
2: Yeah and it's not cheap to go in and replant either that's the other side of it is I know I've had family do some considerations there. Not only are you worried about the cost of seed, sometimes that can be offset, but now we've got labor costs high and fuel costs high. So there's a lot of factors that go into that replant equation.
0: Yes, there certainly are. Certainly are, Tanner. But we'll be continuing good discussions like this as we continue to see new headlines hit the news. going to be having a great conversation tomorrow. I won't give too much away, but folks, you do want to stay tuned for that one. You also want to follow along with us on social media at AgNews daily on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tanner with that, should we let the people go?
2: Let's let the people go.